Hello everyone and welcome to episode 346 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. We're most of the way through Anus Fraud spoilers. Actually, we got the full main set. We still got some commander stuff coming up, but we actually got a super busy week. Lots of news to talk about this week. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. How are you today, Krim? Morning, Seth. Uh, yeah, you know, Midnight Hunt is fully previewed, so I'm excited. Yeah, and that's going to be one of our big topics for today, although we have some other topics that kind of came up out of the blue. So we're going to start off talking about a Commander ban list update that just came out a few minutes ago. Kind of interesting stuff going on there. We have some arena news that eh, maybe not necessarily be good news, but uh, some stuff going on with the arena client. We have the return of paper magic events with SCG Con, and then after we talk about that stuff we're gonna fill the rest of our cast with talking about Innistrad Midnight Hunt spoilers there's so many that there's no way we can talk about all the cool cards but if you want to see them all you can find them uh, over mtdpreviews.com we got the full main setup and we have a uh, commander spoilers coming out today so check that out to keep up on the latest before we get into all of that a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, you've probably heard about them from us before. They're a really great way to sell your magic collection, and they're offering a new service geared towards smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee. With their curated shipment service, you can sell your cards for the best available buy list price with only a 5% service free. And as with all Card Conduit services, you don't gotta sort your cards, you don't gotta grade your cards. It's super easy. All you gotta do is safely package up your cards and ship them out, and you'll even get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low service fee of just five percent and you can even get a 10 percent discount by going to cardconduit.com goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic starting with the big surprise news commander ban list update this morning and uh richard what did we find out is happening in the commander format all right uh rules committee has released a, a little update we have two cards world fire previously banned is now unbanned and golos tireless pilgrim bites the dust uh but golos is banned finally <laughs> i mean yeah i i actually really like I like both of these changes, I yeah. think. Uh, I think Worldfire being banned was... Uh, maybe it made sense at the time, like, eight years ago or whatever. But at this point, I feel like there's so many, like, eight, nine, ten mana things that just win the game. What's what's the difference? And maybe you have some janky combos with Worldfire where you try to, I don't know, win with the cheese stands alone or something like that. Maybe there's some janky fun things you can do with it. So I don't even... Like, it's nine mana. We talked about this when we did our big uh, Commander Clash podcast about the ban list. And I feel like we all kind of landed on, like, if it's nine mana or eight mana, it probably should win the game if you manage to resolve it. So not scared about that at all. And Golos... It's just super impressive. I'm the person who's tried to build Fair Golos several times with horrible results. Even like Golos Scout Tribal ended up being busted because Golos is just so, so strong coming from the command zone. And I think in general, what I like about this banning is even though a lot of people probably have some version of Golos decks, most of the time, I think since Golos doesn't really do anything unique, it's just like a really overpowered card advantage and ramp engine, I feel like you can take your same exact deck, replace Golos with Joda, or replace it with Morophon, or replace it with some other random five color commander, and your deck's still gonna be functional. The one maybe exception is like, if you're trying to do a land shenanigan like Gates deck or something, that's the one deck that I haven't really found a good replacement commander. But I think most Golos decks, having Golos banned doesn't mean your deck is dead and you just like can't play the deck anymore. You can just swap in another five color commander and it's not gonna be as strong because the five color commander you're going to replace it with is not as busted as Golos because nothing's as strong as Golos out of the command zone, but your deck should still be fine and functional. So I think I'm on board with both of these mannings actually and unbannings. Yeah. Like I, it, it, pretty much everything that we could probably say about Worldfire, we did say in that podcast. And yeah, the card is nine mana, should win the game, uh, regardless of whatever feel bads and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, like the, the, uh, the thing about Golos is that that card shouldn't have been. <laughs> 
the the fact that it pays for half of its commander tax every time and deck thins is like absurd that it shouldn't have been around for as long as it has <laughs> throw the deck thin huh that was yeah, that, throw, that was throw the, the deck thin in there that, here oh, uh, oh boy dead in shambles here um yeah i, I mean Yo. goals i think it's a combination of being really good and most players not knowing how good goals is uh, so it shows up and it's also five colors so you can build basically anything with golos so i think it just shows up in too many decks people think they're having fun but they're just dunking on their opponents with goloses so yeah i think it's one of those where it fits in too many decks it's too easy to play really you don't really need to do anything to make it work so i think it's a good band so uh, is there anything else now that we've seen Worldfire unban is there anything else that you think should be coming off the ban list i know they mentioned it was kind of interesting uh in their little write-up about the bannings and unbannings that they still feel like biorhythm and coalition victory are uh are still problematic cards which seems i don't know a little bit weird to me what like what is the what is the difference there really between something like biorhythm and something like coalition victory that's the only part of this that strikes me as weird i was hoping this was like the first step towards unbanning more of these like really expensive cards that essentially win the game somehow but it sounds like maybe that's not what the rc is thinking what do you think should they be looking at coalition victories and biorhythms and cards like that now that world fires off the ban list I mean, we talked about oh, this yeah. at length in the Commander Clash podcast, and I've given up on understanding what the RC is <laughs> doing. Like, there, there's just no rhyme or reason. I'm surprised they even came back and unbanned Worldfire. I thought they would just ban Golos and call it a day, but they are attempting to look at old cards. But I think the TLDR of that podcast was they're very inconsistent, right? So I, I don't know how to predict or judge any of these things because it doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, but you know, my opinion for that podcast is most cards should be unbanned. So, so yeah, I think there's room to unban more cards, but the RC will do RC things. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think oh, ahead, a Kurt. lot of things just should just come right off that ban list. Uh, the, so much of it is, is, I, I don't know. It feels beatable now. It feels, uh, nowhere nearly as uh, oppressive or powerful as it once was. But of course they say that it's not with power. Uh, or it's not about the power level of it. And then if that's the case, then I, I well, I still don't understand then. Goal also is 100% power level. <laughs> what what <laughs> yeah, anti-fun yeah. thing does it do? It doesn't lock up the board. Does it hit you out of your deck? Does it do anything? All it does is just make you incredibly powerful. <laughs> yep. I, I think it's kind of hilarious that they just unbanned it in Historic Brawl too. <laughs> and like two weeks later, they ban it in Commander. So <laughs> that, that we'll was see. the most absurd unbanning. I don't even understand. Like I don't have to play Brawl to know that that should have never been unbanned. <laughs> yeah, there's already been some complaints about that. So we'll see. Maybe now that it's banned in Commander, Wizards will uh, will also get rid of it in Historic Brawl. So that's the, that's the big Commander news. We also have some interesting arena news as far as some big problems with bugs uh, so we have innistrad midnight hunt coming out on thursday we're four days away from rotation this huge set release new standard everyone's hyped and uh there's some weird stuff going on with arena with uh, bugs about people hitting mythic uh, I, there's a whole bunch of strange issues that are happening but the biggest one recently that people have been talking about is if you hit mythic it will set you back to beginner rank, which is a little bit funny. And then there's also an issue where if you hit Mythic in an event, like if you're in a draft and you win a match that gets you to Mythic while you're in the draft, uh, your wins and losses no longer count. You're basically frozen in time at that point, and you can't rank up anymore. You can't really do anything anymore. So uh, Arena is kind of in shambles since the Jumpstart Historic Horizons update, and people have been asking Wizards about this for a couple of weeks now and apparently not getting any real response from uh, customer service. A little bit nervous about the set release. There's kind of a tradition of new sets coming out on arena and things getting a little bit wonky for a few days but normally that clears up pretty quickly i'm doubly nervous about this set release because normally arena is functional heading into the set release and then the new cards end up breaking it and it gets slow and weird and then it fixes itself eventually but uh, at this point arena is already in a really rough spot and now we're adding this new set on top of it 
what are you guys thinking with this Innistrad set release? Like, what's your expectation? Is there any chance they actually delay the set release? Or do you think they just push it out and see what happens and cross their fingers and hope for the best? Uh, they're going to definitely just roll it out. And I mean, I, I can only hope for the better here because, yeah, like, the, I, I think my account might have some issues also because, like, yeah, like, I it just randomly freezes and I can't do anything. So, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I... I think they're still going to just roll it out anyways. I mean, they, they've, they've rolled out the like game and with much less, uh, testing. Let's go with that. Yeah. Wizards, Wizards Digital is back in full force. Uh, this, this is the norm. If you played magic, like when Arena actually launched and it worked, we were all in shock. We're like, what the heck? It actually works kind of right. And then now we're back to like nothing working, premier events dying. Apparently, you just get locked out of your account. Like, what? <laughs> right? Like, you think if this is, like, making all the money for your company, you would invest some more resources into it. But they YOLO jumpstart, right? They delayed it by a bit. They released it anyway. Full of bugs for a week, right? And it's barely stable. And then this happens. So I fully expect Midnight Hunt to <laughs> just go on as planned. And it will probably not work for a while. And then maybe they get it back in order, but they like this shouldn't happen, right? If this is a premier card game, you should not roll out with bugs, right? Like very basic bugs. See, like the kind of bugs they were facing with Jumpstart were like like your life total is wrong when you start. You're like, what? Like that's like two minutes of playing and you'll see it, right? It's not like some weird interaction with like looping O-rings or something, right? So yeah, I, I don't know. Wizards needs to actually invest in in arena and not just you know prop it up for selling skins or whatever they're trying to do right they, they need to actually make sure it works and make sure all the other teams are on board right if it takes them this long to make it they need to delay the release right not just push forward and you know break the ecosystem yeah hopefully that ends up happening i'm like just below mythic at the moment and i'm actually like wondering if i should not hit mythic based on all these reports that i'm reading about how many things can go wrong from uh hitting mythic what about this richard you know probably more about <laughs> development than i do uh is there any possibility that wizards actually has all these problems figured out but they're thinking all right we're doing an update wednesday or thursday or whatever for innistrad anyway so rather than responding to all these complaints and dealing with this now and trying to hot fix it we're just gonna we're gonna fix everything at once when we do the innistrad update is there any chance that's what's happening and suddenly everything's gonna miraculously get better with the next update on thursday Zero. or isn't that how <laughs> this stuff works okay it's like if you're, if you're My, getting like a like a d in college for like three years or whatever and you're like okay my last year i'm gonna get an a like maybe you could do it if you were sandbagging the whole time but most likely you weren't sandbagging the whole time <laughs> most likely that's just how it was right so <laughs> improvement takes a while right so can they turn it around yes are they going to turn it around in like 10 days for midnight hunt no right but hopefully a year from now they'll be good right they, they need to put the steps in to turn it around and it'll take like several months or years to do which we thought they did with arena but you know maybe it's time for a second article the history of Magic Arena problems that like, we did for Moto. Uh, but you know, hopefully they turn it around and we don't have to talk about this again. But yeah, like I, I just can't imagine, like especially since all our money is locked in our accounts, that we can't even access our accounts and there's no good customer service to get our accounts back. That That's a little frightening. Yeah, that the I think that's the main... The main feedback from the community is not so much that there's bugs, although obviously everyone would love not having any bugs. But I think the main feedback I've heard from people and seen people talking about is is people are frustrated with just not getting a response over the course of a couple of weeks, which I think makes sense. People understand that bugs happen, but not knowing when or how they're going to be fixed over the period of like a week or two is a, is a little bit scary. At this point, I almost wonder if if maybe those new cards in Jumpstart Historic Horizons just weren't worth it. Like, is adding a handful of, like, random perpetual Hearthstone cards, like, that's what broke the client. It was stable before that, and that was the update that made everything go downhill. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't worth it to add the Hearthstone cards. I mean, how does adding Hearthstone cards affect your mythic status? That is my question. <laughs> like, these things are not related I, uh, at all, right? Like, what? <laughs> 
they they shouldn't be. Uh, but I don't know. That is the update uh, when it started. Your mythic so, status yeah, is represented by emblem sets. It's actually a global <laughs> enchantment on the battlefield. So. <laughs> I don't know if players know this, but it's actually not a bug if you get giant growth repeatedly with Tome of the, yeah. <laughs> the Infinite. That is that is part of the game. <laughs> uh, all right, let's 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 keep moving forward. Next up, we got the return of Paper Magic, sort of. So we've had local events, but SCG announced uh, this past week they're bringing back SCG Con. Uh, Richard, what are the what are the details? All right. October 28th which this giant countdown tells me is 45 days and 21 hours from now, uh, they're holding SCG Con. So SCG is, you know, holding their tournament. They will have Commander Celebration. And yeah, Paper Magic is back in 45 days. I'm not going to go. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it goes because on one hand, we still have COVID. On the other hand, we have football games, concerts, you know, like, you know, life is back to normal well, in like certain events. So how does this work with the intersection of magic? Uh, I know like there was a big upsurge in LGS attendance a couple of months back, uh, but then it's pulled back slightly. So yeah, but this this will be our first premier paper tournament in quite a while. I, I, when was the last one? Does anyone remember? What was the last pre-COVID event? Jeez. Uh, Boy, it had to be like a, a mythic, something in like february of geez 20 2020 now 18 months ago or something i think we had like a oh, there's been so many pro tours i think it was like mythic championships at that time i think that was the last one yeah so so this but will be a like a big tournament we're gonna see what the state of standard is i i know seth was you know you released the finance update this weekend you're talking about how at rotation usually standard staples are cheaper uh, but like Noah's been playing paper standard for like a year or two years, right? So this this is where it's all coming back. So we'll see what the reception is or has everyone moved on to like Arena and Commander. But I think that's an interesting interesting data point to see what happens uh, at this event. I could see it going either way. Either a lot of people are not going to show up because of COVID uh, concerns or there's just going to be a ton of people because there's so much pent up demand where people have just been itching to play paper magic and this is finally, you know, their chance to go to a big magic event after so long. They just did a big flesh and blood event in Vegas this weekend uh, that I saw people talking about on Twitter and I think they ended up with like uh, just under a thousand people in their main event there and uh, they just had DEFCON uh, in Vegas at like 11,000 people. So we've seen events having success, even in this kind of murky time with COVID. Hopefully they, they can do it safely. I know they have some precautions there. There's been kind of a big conversation about whether or not you should have to be vaccinated or some sort of testing, which wasn't initially part of the SCG uh, con announcement. But then apparently they're thinking about maybe changing that to add some sort of requirement there. So it's definitely, I do not envy SCG or anyone who's trying to figure out doing big events right now because uh, the whole world is kind of stumbling through this COVID thing and trying to figure out the best way to handle everything and try to get back to normal but uh, still be safe and boy it's a hard position to be in I, I'm glad I'm not the one having to figure that stuff out so well, but hopefully it goes well and it is super exciting to see Paper Magic like big tournaments coming back people will complain I don't think any of those things should do. be coming back yeah I mean, it depends. I don't, right? like, yeah. we, we, like we just literally had the Olympics, like most sports are back. Right. So yeah. there's always this conflict. Right. And like no matter what SCG does, people will complain Whether they hold an event or they don't hold an event. People will complain. So they are in a really tough spot. Uh, so I don't. And I don't. Them. And that's their business, too. So that's why I can see why they want to push for it. But. I don't know. I mean, yeah. no one's forcing you to go. Well, you don't have to go. Right. So I, I think right now there shouldn't even like there was recently like the Green Day Fallout Boy tour that came by with Weezer. Right. And I really wanted to go to that. But there's just no way I could bring myself to going out to a concert yet. I can't. I, there, I definitely can't imagine being in a closed space with, you know, a bunch of other people playing card games. It doesn't matter which game, whether it's flesh and blood magic, all of it's all problematic that there are events for it. And yeah, we, like sports stuff, 
there shouldn't there there shouldn't be an audience so uh I, I, it's very straightforward i just don't think any of these things should be happening right now and i mean i don't want to say that it is slight it is kind of like irresponsible but it does feel a little irresponsible to be going out to this i i want to get out to these things as bad as like the next person don't get me wrong like i wish but i just feel like right now is not the time so remember before <laughs> covid right there's a thing called pax flu Right. Whenever you go, oh god, whenever yeah. you go to a convention like TwitchCon, PAX, uh, even Grand Prix, you usually came back sick, right? Like, or just yep. like whatever, right? But back then it was pre-COVID, so you were sick with something. You got over it in two days, like whatever, right? But like, just the congregation of like a lot of people into like a tiny area. It's poorly ventilated. Uh, you know, there's like one bathroom, like three bathrooms, whatever. Everyone's sharing it. Uh, so that, you know, this, this was a thing before COVID, right? So I don't know what they're doing to, to do this, but I hope they talk to other people that are holding these big events, uh, and, and they do it as safely as possible. And if people feel strongly enough, right, if no one shows up and SCG ends up with an empty hall, then they know, right? Like financially, this is not viable at all. Right. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it is a difficult time for everyone. At least uh, COVID helped you dodge the the Weezer bullet, Krim. <laughs> look, look at the bright side. You almost had to sit through 2021 edition of Weezer. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I won't I won't deny that. But like the the rest of the lineup seems like it would have been awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, no. and maybe they play some old stuff. I don't know. Maybe they play some sweet old songs too. It's possible. I, I don't I don't <laughs> think so. They like outside of like maybe like Island in the Sun or something like that. Oh, uh, anyway, I think that covers our non-Innistrad topic. So, let's talk some spoilers. There is seriously so many cards since last week. We got really like basically the full set. There's way more cards that we can possibly talk about, but we're going to get through as many as possible uh, in the next half hour or so before Fishmail Richard got us through some uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt spoilers. All right, let's go over some of the cards released last week. If you want to check them all out online and read them for yourselves, check them out at mtgpreviews.com. First up, Teferi, who slows the sunset. Two white and a blue, four mana value, four starting loyalty. Plus one, choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanence you control. Tap the chosen permanence you don't control. You gain two life. Minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanence you control during each opponent's untap step. And you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. Uh, okay. T- <laughs> I, 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 I love this card because it's Teferi. But it, but it is... Uh, <laughs> It's not in your typical control deck. So this this is more so going to be like a little bit of a tempo card and a little bit more of a uh, like a spirity or whatever blue white tempo-y deck that can exist in standard. This is going to go in that because that plus one feels a lot better there. Of course, there are situations where maybe you can line it up to where you get to untap and this gets to cost like two mana or three mana or I mean two or one mana, but... I, I, I don't see many situations where all of that will be lining up perfectly. So what what does the plus yeah, one it's... even do? So so you basically get to tap down an artifact, creature, or land, but not tap down, just tap right now. Or you untap your own, right? That's all you do? Right. Yeah. I I think that's the main the main purpose is probably to untap your own stuff, like a mana dork or a land or whatever to make Teferi cheaper. It's not very good on your opponent's stuff. I guess it can maybe clear the way for an attack, but since it doesn't keep the stuff tapped down, eh, not not it doesn't defend itself at all. So that is the drawback. It I like this card though. I actually do. After seeing multiple miserable Teferis in a row, this is a Teferi that doesn't make the hair stand up uh, on my on my back and you know, it actually seems fun. It seems like a fun card. The format I'm actually highest on it for is maybe modern where I could see this being like 
bad Omnath as like a free spell, it seems pretty easy to have a deck, like some sort of Bant deck, where you like untap the land with Utopia Sprawl and a Banadork or something, and next thing you know, and we got Artifact Lands even, and next thing you know, it's essentially free. The downside is it doesn't do anything, <laughs> but it is card. free, which is the which is the upside. It's not worth the card in your deck. I'm so confused. Why why did they make the fairy so I can't I understand you don't want like another basically five fairy or three fairy but then they need to make four fairy like so bad like really like Krim, would you even put this in any of your decks control decks uh commander commander even, yes even your commander deck you'd put but it in? <laughs> i'd put it in a commander deck but that's because i would play every teferi <laughs> so, so just for flavor I, flavor purposes yeah i think i would take i mean the how does this compare to <laughs> oh no the precon this... one's good how does this compare to the other four mana Teferi, a Master of Time? Nowhere this nearly. This is, like, way worse than that, right? And that didn't even really do anything in Standard? Yeah, like, like the other four fairy was way better than this, and especially if we start talking about Commander. But but if we're just talking about, like, 60-card Constructed, I, yeah, I, I think this is just in a different style of deck, and I think that's why it seems bad. It's just not what you're used to when it's Teferi, but I think it's still a, a good enough card. I mean, even if you had like a Spirits Tempo deck or a Delver deck, like it's four mana. It's like so slow just to push through like one blocker or something. And like if you're in a Tempo deck, why are you trying to draw cards? It's it's very well, weird. I, I, I think in Standard there is potentially like a like I, I feel like a lot of the control decks are going to still have creatures moving forward. So like Amirith is one of those things where you can untap, get Ward back online, you know, stuff like that. Or if you decide you want to punch with a creature land, then you can untap the creature land and then you know still get to attack with it. I'm really surprised that negative two doesn't put things in the graveyard, uh, especially coming from Innistrad, where like everything's about getting in and out of the graveyard. That is the weirdest part of this card for me, that that doesn't stock your graveyard. It almost makes me think that for some reason, Wizards was afraid it was going to be too strong, and they went like super conservative. Uh, because if that's not the graveyard, then I could see like a disturbed deck or something. There would be a lot of synergies for it. But since it does it, that even cuts off some other potential like Innistrad homes for Teferi Use Close to Sunset. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The ultimate suite in Commander, if you can get there. The problem oh, yeah. is it's so hard to get to, but if you ever get to it, it's like incredible amount of value. It's it's the Tybalt trick. You play it. Everyone just ignores it because it's so bad. <laughs> and then you ultimate. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then you win. Doubling season, right? Yeah, doubling season. <laughs> fixes everything. And Our it lives. Combo. And it lives. All right. Next up, we have Lear, Disciple of the Drowned. Three blue blue, five mana value, three four. Legendary creature, human wizard. Spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. The flashback cost is equal to the card's mana cost. This card's crazy. <laughs> it's a past in flames on a body. I feel like this card's really, really, really Bad. strong. I, I'm, I'm so surprised you don't like it. I know. I guess it's because you value counters a lot more than, right. like, than it, I it do. But it cuts. Uh, it makes my opponent's spells also uncounterable, right? Like, wait, are we talk about standard. I don't know what if are we I talking can about here. <laughs> Well, I mean, any, any format, really, except for, like, maybe Commander. Maybe uh, Commander, I could see it being good. But uh, Lear, Disciple of the Drowned, is not a card I like in 60-card Constructed. If my opponent's spells can't, uh, can't be countered, that's problematic. So this isn't going in a control deck. Uh, if you want it, it's probably going to be in a combo deck, right? Because that's where it's going to be most valuable. Um, but it's five mana in a combo deck, right? It, it itself... Can it be countered? Yes, right. It can be countered. It can be countered. Can be countered. Yeah, but you can counter. Yeah, it it can be countered. Yeah, yeah. But but like other than that, I mean, like I feel like this this is a five mana spell regardless. So like Storm already has access to something that can like go off, and they don't care about the uncounterable clause. Interesting. So I actually kind of like this as a control card. I, I know you can't really use many counters effectively although there are ways around that you can use stuff that like return spells to hand or that exiles them rather than actually saying counter target spells so there are some shenanigans there but i imagine you just like play this with a full graveyard in the late game and then 
recast a bunch of card draw and removal spells and get value out of it like that. It's only a single mana more than Past in Flames. And Past in Flames is like combo staple across formats. And I don't know if you would... I don't know if you'd replace Past in Flames with this. Uh, red mana is probably easier to cast in most Storm decks than the double blue mana, but maybe even like Legacy High Tide could be a home for this where you're already mono blue and you have, uh, you already would rather have your stuff not be countered than be countering stuff because you're trying to resolve big card draw spells and combo pieces. So maybe that could be a home. And it also seems really powerful in Commander in any sort of like combo style, storm style shell in Commander. So uh, what do you think, Richard? Where do you come down on? A liar. I don't think it's that good, but I don't think it's that bad either. Like, so the pro so like Krim said, you can just counter this on the way down, right? So, uh, you know, you could cavern this in, right? Uh, that's the only upside over Pass and Flames because otherwise, like, usually your spells can't be countered, isn't that relevant? Like, you're gonna counter the Pass and Flames, right? Like, you're not gonna let them resolve the Pass and Flames and try to counter a ritual or something unless you really know what's about to happen. So, I feel that doesn't matter. I feel in most cases, you're going to play this proactively in a storm deck. So the fact that you can't counter your opponent's spells doesn't matter either. Like you're just going to just have all cantrips and rituals anyway. So it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's it's a five mana three four. It's slow. I don't think control decks actually want pass and flames. Uh, I mean, we've had pass and flames in standard before and control decks don't play that. So I, I don't know that that's relevant. Commander, it can't be used as your commander. It's mono blue. Uh, typically, you want red as part of your storm package, so this will be part of the 99, and it's okay. So I think this is just like an okay card. Maybe some high tide shenanigans you can pull off, but I don't know that it's broken or super exciting in any way. What about in like Commander Spellslinger? Is this the 99 staple where if you're playing Niv or whatever, yeah. whatever Spellslinger style deck, do you just play this in your 99 basically 100% of the time? Yeah. yeah. You, it's like another, it's like okay. Pass and Flames, Underworld Breach, and now you put this thing in as well, right? Now you have three of them, right? And you, But it doesn't do, I don't think it enables a new deck or anything unless we do like Mono Blue Storm, which... I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I don't think it enables new decks, but it probably does add consistency and improve like existing Spellslinger style decks in Commander. All right. Next up, we have Jaren, Corrupted Bishop, two and a black, three mana value, two, three legendary creature, human cleric. When it enters a battlefield or another non-token human you control dies, you lose one life and create a one one white human creature token. Two generic mana, target human you control gains lifelink until end of turn. At the beginning of your end step, if you have exactly 13 life, you may pay four black black. If you do, transform Jaren into Ormondal the Corrupter, 6-6, six, six, flying trample, lifelink, sacrifice another creature, draw a card. Oh, this card's so good. I think, ignore the backside. Pretend that doesn't exist. And I think the front side of Jaren is very modern playable in humans. I think this could definitely show up in five color humans, probably in some number in the main deck. It's similar to Xanthrid Necromancer, I think the, the old card is, which did see play in humans in the past. It hasn't as much recently, but Necromancer, when a human dies, makes a zombie. This making a human and also making human when it comes into play seems incredibly synergistic with the champion of the parish of the world, the Thalia's lieutenant, of the world and that's what humans is going to try to do plus the lifelink on a big champion can like swing the race against aggro i feel like this is one of the best modern cards from the set in standard i think it's good i don't know if humans are going to be in black though it seems like green white is kind of the base colors for humans uh, maybe you can splash it anyway but that's my biggest concern in standard is if there is human tribal it seems like green white is going to be the primary colors but it's still really powerful. I mean, yeah, like I, I, I think this card is very, very, very strong. And like I, in, in modern, we might not, that backside doesn't seem relevant. I think in standard that, that backside will be pretty, uh, pretty useful. I think it, it's more likely to happen in standard. I don't think it's happening in modern. Um, but yeah, much like, like Seth had mentioned, like Zathrid made the zombie. This makes something immediately upon entering. And on top of that, it's a human. So I love this card. I think this is very good. Yeah, I think bad Ormondal though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> compared the, to the first uh, one, the backside is no. Oh good. yeah, it doesn't exist like Seth said. Uh, I I don't know how tight that humans list is though, right? They don't play Xanthrid Necromancer anymore. Uh, the good news is like 
you get your board wrath, you have two twos immediately and you close the game with one swing. This makes one ones, which has more synergy, but your board just got wrath. So I don't know if that synergy is relevant. You need to like Dahlia's Lieutenant to get the same effect. So maybe it's worse, but you do get the lifelink, which could swing your, your aggro battles. But I, I don't know, like every human is so good in that human deck that even if you get a crazy human, it may not fit, right? Because the deck is so tight. So we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, from experienced human players. I was just going to say, they found room for Imperial Recruiter, so maybe. But that's, maybe. A real, that's a good effect, though. <laughs> like, it's a unique effect the deck wants, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. All right, next up, we have uh, Suspicious Stowaway. So one and a blue, it's a 1-1. One, one. Human Rogue Werewolf. It can't block. Whenever Suspicious Throwaway deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, then discard a card. Uh, Daybound, backside, it's a 2-1. It can't be blocked. When it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Nightbound. Oh, this card is... It, it's not super flashy, but my god, this card is good. Um, and it has the rogue class to it, so you know I love that. But but yeah, like I, I think the fact that this is going to go unchecked and then on top of that can flip over to like kind of pretty much just keep drawing you cards. The, this, it's absolutely amazing. It doesn't even require a lot for it to flip. So I love this card. Yeah, I think this card's really good. Uh, Looter Elcor is one of my favorite cards. Uh, it's a very old card, but it's very similar to this. A two drop one one that has shadows. So it's essentially unblockable. And then it loots when it hits your opponent. And that's a card that is really powerful. I played in cube drops quite a bit. And I feel like heading into Innistrad standard, we have flashback. We have disturbed. We have uh, creatures like Skyclave Shade that want to get in the graveyard. There's a ton of value to looting in the format and using this to stock the graveyard. And then the backside is also really strong. It's like a upgraded shadow mage infiltrator where just straight up drawing a card is also really good and then you add on like the rogue synergies or maybe in the future ninjutsu synergies once we get back to kamigawa and i really feel like this is a, a sleeper card for standard that could end up being uh, very very good in the format it, it depends on how easily you could flip this uh but are looters playable in 2021 that is my question an unblockable lo unblockable rogue looters can. It gets in, it gets in damage. So that's better than just looting. Like, like if you're unable you to put flip equipment it, on it, is it playable? Or do you I'm really rely yes on the, the right flipping deck. part? Because obviously, if you flip feel, this thing, it's pretty good, right? But I feel like yes. I feel like even just the looting mode is good in this standard. I, I think I'm high on it because of all the graveyard mechanics we're getting. And I think you're going to, yeah. like, uh, the front side is going to be drawing a card a lot of the time if you're discarding, like, a flashback card or discarding, like, a disturb card that you'd rather have the more powerful half in your graveyard that you can cast anyway. So I feel like in the decks that are going to want this, that the looting effect is, is pretty close to actually just drawing a card. All right. Uh, next up, we have Tovalar's Huntmaster, 4 green green, 6-6, six, six, human werewolf. When Tovalar enters the battlefield, create 2 two, two green wolf creature tokens, daybound. Backside is a 7-7. Seven, seven. When Tovalar's pack leader enters the battlefield or attacks, create 2 two, two wolf uh, creature tokens, 2 green green. Another target wolf or werewolf you control fights another target creature you don't control. That's a Grave oh. Titan. That's very close to Grave Titan. I like this card kind of blows me away. The backside is literally upgraded Grave Titan. The front side, you don't get the attack trigger, so you do need to flip it around, but that's still a lot of bodies on the battlefield, and they put it at rare. I feel like this is the card from the set that everyone's gonna complain about unlimited. I do not know how you how do you ever <laughs> beat this in a draft? I, I don't think you ever do. And it's a rare. I, I don't even know how you do it. Yeah, like this seems like a limited bomb, but uh like this card is is good i think it's very good um i it's grave titan did have death touch which was like you know nice but this is still going to be just as powerful well maybe just if not just slightly under the power level but still in the same ballpark uh how do you how much do you think that flipping matters again like it, it doesn't flip right so you cast this you get two wolves and then unless your opponent literally you know does nothing you're going to come back to a hunt master still, right? So it won't get two more wolf tokens, whereas Grave Titan immediately gets two more zombies on your next attack. Do you think it needs True. to flip to be good? Uh, 
I think this is, I don't know, six mana in this standard, getting two bodies first off, like immediately seems, uh, two bodies plus the six, six. So three bodies in total seems a very good rate. Yeah. It's six mana, 10 power and toughness across three bodies. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's probably good enough. We've seen Azika's chariot be pretty strong and that's like. I can kind of see that comparison. I guess the upside is it's a non-creature, so you dodge some removal uh, at some points or dodge like sorcery speed removal, but that's pretty strong. And green is probably a better color for Grave Titan than black is just because you have so many ramp effects. It seems pretty easy to like turn for this or something in standard. But I do wonder, ah, boy, it's it's tough to evaluate. I feel like it's still got to be pretty good even though it isn't a Grave Titan until you flip it around, but it'll flip around eventually, and 10 power and toughness is still a lot of power going on the battlefield with one card, and it's resilient to removal, even if your opponent has the Infernal Grasp or whatever right away, you still get the tokens left over, so I feel like this is the kind of card that's going to be good in standard. If you flip it, you've probably won. Like, against any other creature deck, you just immediately fight something with your 7-7, right? Like, it's... I don't know why it has like this giant fight ability on it. Uh, oh, you can't target itself, though. So at most, you can fight with the 2-2 wolf unless you have something else. Uh, so maybe it's just okay. Yeah. Do you think you need to be a werewolf deck? Like, that was my other question with this card. Like, is this good enough as just a green ramp card or a whatever mid-range card? Or do you actually have to be actively actively like taking advantage of the wolf slash werewolf tribe day and night synergies to make it good is this an archetype staple or is this something that can show up in multiple decks in standard do you think i i think this can just be in any deck that plays green pretty much it's a solid late game bomb uh i mean except for maybe like mono green aggro but uh like uh, otherwise any mid-rangey deck i think can play this regardless of werewolves or not I think I want to be able to flip it. That's kind of- I think if there was no backside, I wouldn't be playing this card. So if that backside only flips like 20% of the time or something, that's not good enough. That I need to, you know, at least like with the rogues card, like, you know, you can play things at instant speed, right? You actually have a chance of flipping it, but I don't want to play this and be forced to pass just to flip it. So. But I feel like there's so many things that could flip that anyways, right? Like even in a normal, like uh, just a, a basic deck that isn't fully on like werewolves i think you could still flip this a cons- like a little bit higher than 20 percent. yeah well i just made that number I mean, up. but you if you have cards that explicitly flip this right then yeah i think it's good like if there's like a removal spell or something <laughs> that like flips werewolves or maybe you just literally play like uh whatchamacallit the, the legendary werewolf we have that just like flips things for you it becomes really strong huh? The Celestis. This is the card that makes the three mana mana rock stand up stable. <laughs> this is this is We're getting there. Prime time, right? You ramp right that's, into it. That's a com- <laughs> that's a combo. That's definitely a combo. Abandoned commander soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually very curious because we're so used to Eldrain. Like, if we were an Eldrain standard, right? This was like nigh unplayable. Right? Oh, it's unplayable. But, but we are coming yes, out that's... of Eldrain standards, and that's warped our perception so much. So, is this good enough? uh post Eldrain and that's an interesting question uh my, my real question is why does green get this and how do you beat this in limited like why don't the other colors get this <laughs> like at least with the old titan cycle there's a cycle right so you could actually fight back right but yeah i am i am shocked they didn't put it in mythic like honestly i feel like limited would be better if consuming blob was a rare and this was a mythic like i feel like this is just so unbeatable in limited that yeah, this is going to be the, the dream trawler of the set or whatever, where everyone's like, oh, this format's great, except when you're under the person who drafted two of these and then it was miserable. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised it wasn't Mythic. And I think if they had put this at Mythic, especially with the callback to Grave Titan, I don't think anyone would have complained. I think they could have gotten away with putting it, putting it at Mythic and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, obviously, like, yeah, that looks like a Mythic. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't just for myth, uh, for limited purposes. All right. Next up, we have uh, Lisa, Forgotten Archangel, two white, white, black. So five mana value, four, five, legendary creature, angel at rare, flying lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return that card to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. So... This was a card that interests me because I actually saw when this was spoiled on the first day, there was actually a bit of like pushback for it 
as far as commander is concerned because it has graveyard hate and i saw a lot of people talking about this card and saying uh either you shouldn't play it as your commander because people might try to rule zero it out of the game because it could be a reanimation deck and then you'd have graveyard hate in your command zone or that this is an arch enemy commander and if you play this it's going to have a huge target on its head it's never going to stick on the battlefield because everyone's just going to have to kill it immediately and i kept reading the card and i was like this 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 is the card that's gonna make you arch enemy really so i wanted your opinions like am i missing something is this actually like a really strong commander because to me this looks like eh, you get some fringe upside it's kind of cool maybe you get your creatures back when they die but there's nothing that jumped out about this card that made me think wow this is a brutal arch enemy golos commander it looks like a kind of mid-power Orzhov Angel commander to me, but am I missing something? Is this way more busted out of the command zone than I'm realizing? I, I think it's the lifelink. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I actually, I don't know why this is even remotely considered a threat. I mean, it, it looks good-ish. Like, it's fun. It's Liza. It's an angel. Like, that. that's about it. I mean, it, if you can't beat the creature part because of like some and you're worried about exiling your graveyard then that that might not bode well for just the deck overall so i don't really know and like whenever another non-token creature you control dies from that its owner's hand ugh. i mean i i guess that's okay right i mean you have a bunch of sack outlets and maybe you can return something and loop it over and over but it doesn't seem that broken yeah, you don't, and you it don't even get returns it back end right step, away. so yeah, it's hard to combo combo with it because you got to wait till your end step to get it back. I mean, I let my initial reaction was I like them kind of putting some graveyard hate on cards people might actually play in commander because I think people yeah. might play this as like wrath protection, and we always talk about like you should play more graveyard hate, you should play more graveyard hate, and putting it on like a flashy lifelinky bane slayer esque angel. That might be a way to actually get people to put in their decks, which I think actually makes the games better rather than worse if people have some graveyard interaction. Yeah, I, I would even that might be the best thing about it—the graveyard. Hate. I wouldn't even consider this graveyard hate, right? It's just like incidental graveyard interaction. But like, if you're if you had a deck and you're like, okay, I need some graveyard hate, you wouldn't be looking to this like five drop angel, right? You'd be looking at like a Bajuka Bog, a Tormod's Crypt, or something, right? So this is just like a bonus ability. I think if you're playing a graveyard deck, you are already expecting to get graveyard hate and you should have a plan around it, right? Because otherwise, if you didn't, then you would just win every game, right? Like, that's weird, right? So you should expect your opponents <laughs> right. to interact with you. And I think a five man of four five flying lifelink with like no protection on itself is perfectly fine, right? You can Hagris mauling this thing and call it a day, right? So... I don't think it's oppressive. It doesn't even exile your existing graveyard. So you can fill your graveyard for the first four turns. This comes down in turn five. You're still good. So and I don't think it's oppressive at all. It doesn't, and it doesn't hit on buried alive. It doesn't hit anything like that. It only actually gets creatures that are going from the battlefield to the graveyard. So it's even as graveyard hate. You're right. It's, it's pretty light graveyard hate. It does something and it does shut down like death triggers against aristocrat style decks, which I guess, uh, is a, is a bonus, but it doesn't actually stop you from just going like entomb reanimate, like kill you. <laughs> so it's not yeah. even like, that good of graveyard hate, really. It's nice to have graveyard hate you would play just attached to a body though much like you said so th i do like that it reminds but, me yeah. of Kalidus a little bit uh, that's oh, that's maybe Kalidus. the i don't think it's quite as good as Kalidus, especially in like 60 card formats although i could see it serving a role like shutting down death triggers is a thing that matters uh it's got a big life linking body this feels like a upgraded bane slayer to me in a lot of ways even though it's got slightly less power only four power <laughs> instead of five but otherwise Ooh. like it does a lot of what Bane Slayer does, but better. Believe it or not, I think Bane Slayer would be better in this format because of protection from dragons. And if standard, oh. right, like gold span, you want to just like I, I before anything, I think it was like I forgot what format it was. I think it was some standard format. And uh, uh, recently I played a gold span dragon. People forget 
they swung with the gold span thinking they could just like burn out my angel i'm like i don't know if you know that this is protection from dragons <laughs> that's that might have been that might have been me i because that's the text i forget about that's like the flavor text on bane slayer so i totally yeah. <laughs> never remember that either <laughs> but, sure but you, you're right yeah. though that would be really good in our current standard wouldn't it <laughs> yeah like and like you know looking at the set like even demons looks like it could have some corner pocket <laughs> situations well good thing good thing bane slayer rotator would have been op <laughs> oh thank gosh they nerfed bane slayer they, they, yeah. might, they might add it to the arena base set you never know <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all right speaking of dragons we have moonvale regent three and a red four mana value four four creature dragon at mythic flying Whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. Uh, when it dies, it deals X damage to any target, where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. Yeah, can't get through Baneslayer bad. Next. Yeah. <laughs> See, honestly, if Baneslayer were in this format, <laughs> like, Actually, that is though, hilarious. This card's really, this card's really sweet. Uh, yeah. It seems designed to be a five color card and it probably is like absurd in five color commander decks. But I actually think, what do you think about just playing this in like the top end of mono red or something where it's just kind of like you're going to be empty handed. You're going to curve out and then you top deck and you cast something and then you get to draw an extra card and hopefully you cast that as well as like a almost like a experimental frenzy on a on yeah. a four four flying body. Like I feel like that even is good. So if you're playing five colors, obviously you can do busted things or trying to like storm off with it but even it's just like a mono red card or like a gruel two color aggro card this just seems like a really powerful effect if you're going to be empty-handed most of the time and you're trying to like curve out and empty your hand that's how i pretty much view it right now like that 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 second line is really just flavor text because i think that first part's what's going to matter that first part's going to be pretty big and it's a good rate it's a really good rate and we've already been talking about how we're going into graveyard standard. We want stuff in our graveyard. So you get a little more value out of discarding your flashback cards or disturb cards or whatever, potentially. But Richard, I heard you I heard you groaning and it, cut it you off. What is it? I don't know. Don't you want this thing to have haste? Like it seems very slow. Oh, dies to Doomblade. Like you want to end the game, not like experimental frenzy is hard to interact with. This thing dies to like any removal. So I, I don't know that you can live the dream and just play this and just like chain lightning bolt their face to death because your burn spells are expensive and you're not going to have that much mana. So I'm not sure in a monocolor deck. I was thinking maybe more in some weird two or three color deck, but interesting. I wonder if we, do we have what any I, good four drops in mono red? Re remember Richard, remember Eldraine is left. So Brazen Barrow can't bounce this. What a, we have what about in just, is it dragons? What about just is it dragons in standard where like you care about the dragon creature type because you have dragon based removal and then you uh, cast expressive iteration and you draw two cards and then you also get the expressive iteration. The sneaky part you about it, I think hand, that people Remember might overlook. <laughs> you need to be down works, to no cards when you're doing this, right? It works. It works really well, well with Fortel, though. Yeah. yeah, you get to hide away your Sot Cummings and Alrin's Epiphanies, and they're like, whatever, Like, I'll discard this, and that's fine, because you can still cast those cards. So I almost wonder if that could be a home like for that. it, too. I like that. I I, I actually, that, that's the one home I probably wouldn't like it in. <laughs> only, only because you have Galazeth already. Galazeth <sighs> is your four drop. You can't, you can't, I mean, like, yes, you do play dragons, but you can't be replacing all your spells either because you're still kind of controlling and doing all that stuff. So I don't know if this is going to be in a dragon deck, but any kind of red mid range, uh, you know, maybe uh, like I do believe mono red could play this, right? Uh, it, sure, it doesn't have haste, but it is a very good engine on its own. Uh, and the, and we might be a little desensitized to the power level as of, cause thanks to like magic in the last two years, but this actually looks very good, an amazing rate and solid in any non, uh, dragon deck, Prismari dragon deck. I just wish it was a two color card so I could play it in Niv decks in like Pioneer or Historic or Modern and like, so, oh, so many cards you could draw in like five color Niv, but I don't think you can play it because it's not a two color card itself. And I guess maybe I just like drawing cards. Maybe you don't even need to draw more cards with Niv because you draw so many <laughs> cards already, but. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Lord of the Forsaken. Four black black, six six, creature demon, mythic, flying trample. 
Uh, black and sacrifice another creature. Target player mills three cards. Pay one life. Add one colorless mana. Spend this mana only to cast a spell from your graveyard. I think this card is asking to be broken in commander. Uh, in 60 card format, it's just cool. That's it. Yeah. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd actually play this yet. I mean, maybe something gets printed that makes this really good, but, but like in 60 card right now, I'm not, maybe I, I haven't like gotten the time to fully sit down and like make a deck around this, but is there anything in standard that's going to break this? This is not getting played in modern, so. Yeah, in standard, it's tough. Like, what do you do with the mana ability? I think that's a big question. Like, how do you how do you take advantage of that? It's obviously powerful. It's a it's a channel essentially for graveyard spells, which channels an insane magic card. Like, this can potentially come down and add you know nineteen mana immediately. What do you do with it though? The best I could think of is like skyclave shades, liar, leer, leer. There are there are things you can cast from the graveyard. I think it's much easier in commander. Like in commander. Imagine this with like Underworld Breach or something like just seems like it's asking to win the game or with Lear or with Past in Flames or with Yagma's Will. So I think in Commander, this definitely has a ton of possibilities or even just playing it with like Madrotha or other commanders that let you cast stuff from the graveyard. And plus, you got 40 life to work with. But I too am a little bit like, oh, what do you do with it in Standard? It does have a good body, but we've seen like what makes me skeptical of this card in Standard is Doom Whisper wasn't good enough. And Doom Whisper was a five mana six six strength that filled the graveyard at lightning speed without without having to sacrifice the rest of your board and it was kind of just like meh like uh, 10 years right. ago probably would have been absurd but it wasn't even like a standard staple so i don't think just being a 6-6 flying trample is enough anymore so i don't know i don't know if it actually is going to be good enough for standard i do think it's even super exciting e commander though even if this were one mana or one mana cheaper <laughs> Uh, no. Not one mana. If this <laughs> one were mana, one mana, mana be that'd be I, I, I'd play it. Uh, but if this were one mana cheaper, I don't. I still don't think it's playable. Because exactly like you had mentioned, like Doom Whisper would have been just strictly better. I, I think Doom Whisper is better. It, we're talking sixty card formats. Commander, this this can definitely be broken. But but yeah yeah I, it's maybe Wizards actually made a safe card here. I don't know what you would do with it in standard. It's like pretty slow to get out. You're restricted. You're only adding generic or not generic. You're adding colorless mana. Um, and to to mill yourself, you need black mana. So it's pretty hard to take advantage of in standard. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see if we can come up with a combo deck with it. Commander. I think people complain about this card. Uh, like Kirik is pretty obnoxious already. People complaining about that card. And this is just another... It's going to go right in that deck. Yeah, this is just another way to cast <laughs> spells for free. You have 40 life to deal, to work with here. So, yeah. And it's a demon. So people like demons. Um, yes, they do. Yeah, it's weird. It's not commander. a legend, at least. It's definitely a made-for-commander card. Uh, so hopefully it's not too obnoxious in commander. But, you know, cheating on mana is never good. <laughs> like Cheating on mana is always what leads to bad things. So we'll we'll see if this six mana cost oh. is enough for a commander to keep it in check. What okay okay what about this though? Uh, away away from commander where we it's it's obviously going to be a banger. What about in modern? I know I said it wouldn't be played in modern, but it, the fact that it isn't legendary, we do have that new reanimate and entomb. Yeah. Could you then break it in modern? Hmm. Like why would you reanimate this though? Uh, so okay okay how <laughs> I about, guess that's how about true. This? How about this? You you reanimate this, and that allows you to cast Unburial Rites with Flashback for one mana, so then you Unburial Rites a creature that actually does things. That I think seems, that could work. You know what, you I, like I feel like we've added extra steps. I think we've just <laughs> added extra steps. Never mind. This card is bad in modern. <laughs> it's not Jundable, I've concluded. <laughs> Six mana is a lot for Jun. <laughs> uh, all right. Last card. Uh, we're going to talk about Catilda, Dawnheart Prime, uh, green and a white, so two mana value, legendary creature, human warlock, 1-1, one, one, protection from werewolves. Human creatures you control have tap, add one mana of any of this creature's colors, uh, four green, white, tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. All right, I got, I got a question for you guys, but it, that involves this card and... 
a a new commander precon card they just spoiled uh here blade elite three mana one one human warrior with vigilance when a human enters the battlefield under your control put a plus one plus one counter on it tap to add x man of any one color where x is its power so basically morrowind exactly morrowind except upgraded with vigilance and for humans what do you think of the human tribe getting this mana production? I know humans, they get like noble hierarchs and Avacyn's pilgrims, like mana dorks, these big mana producing cards. So this is essentially like a sliver. This is essentially gem hide sliver, but for humans, the one from the commander deck is exactly Morrowind. Those effects don't really feel human-ish to me. I'm actually a little concerned that we get so many humans that do so many things. Now they get to make mana big time, like slivers or like elves. Is that, is that, why would you play elves? Is this a good thing for magic to have humans now getting these really powerful mana producers? It's obviously a strong card. Gem Hide Sliver in a Sliver Tribal deck is one of your best slivers. I've been playing a little bit of slivers in Historic and having all your stuff tap for mana is absolutely insane. Uh, so I feel like this is a really strong effect. But do we want humans to be able to do this? Or are they just encroaching? Humans are the green of tribes. So that's what it feels well, like. I mean, They're turning into green where they just literally get to do everything that every other tribe does. And then you start to wonder, like, why do I play the other tribes if I can just do it all but better with humans? Well, the thing here is it being in green uh, or, or uh, the, the new commander card you're talking about in green. I'm not surprised at all. So <laughs> it is a green card. Like, like. As long as it has green attached to its mana cost, I assume it's going to do everything. I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to make a Void Mage Prodigy in green. So, like, at some point, it'll just be... It, it'll be subtle. It'll be, oh, counter a, an ability or something. But then slowly, it'll just be no restriction. It'll just counter the spell. So, I, I'm actually really just not shocked at all. So, am I shocked? No. Is it too powerful? It's really good. I'll admit that it's really good. Yeah. Look, humans are an innovative bunch. Okay. After 2,000 <laughs> years, they've learned to add mana to the mana pool. <laughs> I, 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 hey, we did. I it. agree with Seth. I don't know. Like, this is a very unique, like, alpha ability, right? Like, I can understand, like, for balance reasons, why they want, like, a card here or there in standard to, to add mana. But why do you have to give all your creatures this ability? Um, I don't know. Uh, aside from this card just literally being green and like it's a green ability, we'll just add it on. It doesn't seem very human-ish, but maybe that's a good thing, right? Like if they don't go crazy and there's just one of these, you can make a weird human elf ball deck and that opens that opportunity up. But, you know, you have to use this commander and this is like the only card that allows it. So it's a one-off as opposed to every, you know, like every elf adds a mana basically, right? Like 50% of them or 70% of them do. Uh, you know, five humans or something add mana, right? So this is not too bad. So maybe it's okay if they keep it in small numbers and just make it a, a bonus thing once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the card. I just worry about how powerful humans are. But I think it is a, a really interesting and a very strong card. I think this is auto-include in any human commander deck that happens to be in its colors. It's interesting as a commander, and beneath everything else, it's a two-mana mana dork, and that's kind of the going rate in standard. It is legendary in standard, which is a drawback, but if standard humans are a thing, I bet this is probably pretty powerful, and we even have, like, build-in mana sinks for the tribe already. There's, like, Minsk. You got the pump ability, and that's a human. Uh, you have the white adversary that you can, like, multi-kick a ton of times, and that's a human. So I feel like this could be a really strong card in uh, in standard as well if we get enough humans. Maybe not right now, but maybe after the, the second Innistrad set when we get a little more human support in standard. But what about modern? Is this a modern humans card? Is that worth it, or is it just a little a little too slow for modern? I, I don't... I don't think modern humans needs it, right? Much yeah. like how we had mentioned, there's already so there are so many humans coming out. I don't know if this makes humans any better in modern. This actually might slow it down because yeah. what, what are you trying to cast uh, the, the the champion of the parish? Like you know what I mean? Like that you don't yeah. need uh, the mana dork for that. So you, you already have what about what about you don't really need this. What about in non-modern older formats, like historic humans that already has Coco or whatever, pioneer humans? Some of those decks tend to be green-white anyway. Is there any any value to playing it there, or is it just a standard and commander card mostly? I think this is a commander card, and maybe standard. Yeah. It is powerful, though, for sure. 
All right. Uh, so those are all the previews. You can check out all the Midnight Hunt cards on the website. And also today they are revealing the Commander cards. Uh, so we have time for one fishmail question. So if you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MPGFishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Chef Cheesy 915 with Historic Brawl now a queue for Arena, do you think Watsi will add commander-only cards that are released after standard sets to Arena? Personally, I'd like to see more three or four color cards available for the queue. So Midnight Hunt commander cards, the commander decks, do you think Wizards will add them? The issue we run into is how do you release them? That's always the that's always the the problem with Arena. Arena doesn't really have a good system for that. I guess they could put the actual precons up for sale, but I don't know if anyone would be super thrilled about like the price of the precon. So I I want to say yes, and I think they should start adding more commander cards. I think the most likely outcome is that at some point in the next year or something, we get like historic brawl masters or something. And kind of like we saw with Jumpstart Historic Horizons, we get a bunch of like commander legends cards a bunch of recent pre-con cards and all of those cards uh, in some sort of like limited style format or maybe even a jumpstart style format uh, where you can do drafts to try to acquire the cards i think that might be the most likely outcome so i hope the answer is yes i hope they start putting more and more of these commander pre-con cards and supplemental product cards on there for historic ball because i think it would really improve the format uh i just don't know how they release them though they're not really set up to release Precon decks and so forth. It's not something they've ever really done on there before. And you don't have treasure chests or whatever, like on Magic Online. There's no economy, so you can't just like trade someone or buy a copy of them. So that's the the sticking point for me. So yes, but I don't know exactly how they're gonna do it outside of a master set. So people have been talking about physical digital redemptions for a long time. Like you buy a pack, you get a code for uh, the equivalent product, like Pokemon. Yeah, and you re- and you redeem it on Arena. I think this would actually be the perfect place for something like that, where uh, a you know the, the decks aren't that popular to begin with, like so this like boosts their sales, and then b this doesn't really affect arena too much, right? Like they don't want you getting all of your standard cards for free on arena because they want you to pay for them, right? But this is just like some nice to have cards for historic brawl, right? So they're not like in super high demand, uh, but there is demand. So I actually think including a code in the Midnight Hunt uh, commander decks for an arena one would solve those problems. So I actually think that would be a good spot for it. I I think that uh, method should have been in place years ago. I think they should have always made that attached to booster packs to everything. Oh, but they want double the money, Krim. But how would they take <laughs> thousands and thousands of our dollars every set release, Krim? <laughs> I, I think they would take thousands and thousands of our dollars, especially if they did that. Because then, I, I then you, you would then go, I would definitely buy more booster packs. Yeah. I think that's true. I, I feel like Wizards is too focused on monetizing Arena, though. Like, I feel like the other clients that do that, like the, digital clients just kind of like a bonus and they're not as concerned of uh, with monetizing it but i feel like wizards is really big on trying to squeeze as many dollars out of arena as possible i do think they should do it though at least with i don't think they'll ever do it with like booster pack you get a booster pack on arena or something because i think that would cost them money or they wouldn't make as much money but with stuff like this these commander precons give people a code and hopefully that gets commander players to try arena and the theory would be you kind of like hook them in and if they they really like it and they're having fun then they'll probably buy some packs to like make another deck or something so i feel like there could be financial benefits to wizards for doing codes like that especially with things like uh, these commander precons or like the pioneer challenger decks if pioneer was ever going to come like those would be the kind of things that you could use as a way to like onboard people onto arena and then you know start squeezing the money out of them yeah, so thank you for sending the question in. Chef Cheesy915, if you have questions, you can send them to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 346 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about Innistrad's release and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs>